restaurant unstoppable episode 426 we, we never came from pizza we never came from you know the small business world we never came from the big business world so we had this kind of unique take on everything where everything that we this perspective that everything that we every challenge that we faced was kind of facing with this really fresh mind so um, sometimes that was a bad thing because it took us so long and we tripped and we stumbled and we fell and we crawled through every problem. And that is really expensive sometimes. And it's really time consuming sometimes. Um, but you know, everything we did, we just, we just, we hopped over that hurdle whenever it came to us and you just kept building and building. And, you know, all of a sudden you have, you know, a, a thriving little business. Are you ready for it factors? success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge. Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. 89% of guests research a restaurant online before dining out. Your website is your first impression. So answer me this question honestly. What does your website say about your restaurant? Also, websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that can help you drive revenue. Head over to getbento.com and see why thousands of restaurants trust Bento Box with their websites. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you can save up to $1,500 on initial setup. Get on it. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for modern small businesses. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. To help support Restaurant Unstoppable, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest mikey sorboro my man mikey are you feeling unstoppable today eric ain't no stopping this train man (laughs) (laughs) yes that is what we like to hear so mikey saboro is the mikey in mikey's late night slice mikey had the epiphany one night gallivanting about town with a grumble in his belly and nothing to choose from but euros and hot dogs he he realized there was a pizza slice shape hole in the heart of downtown columbus ohio it was enormous and he intended to fill it by the time late night slice celebrated its five-year anniversary. The company consisted of nine locations and two award-winning trucks. Mikey is also the owner of Oddfellows Liquor Bar, located right next to the original Late Night Slice and Joe's Corner Tavern. All right, Mikey, I can't wait to learn more about you and to get the big picture, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. You know what, Eric? I, I was thinking about this one a lot, and the one thing that always comes to mind when I'm talking to people that are thinking about either starting a new business or something uh, is the first question I ask is, are you a thriving structure person or a thriving chaos person? And I think that's really important, especially in the business that we're in. And especially when you're starting a business, knowing whether you can 
really survive in here, knowing whether you're a thriving structure or a thriving chaos person, I think is super important. So I always say thriving chaos. If you're a thriving chaos person, then you're probably, you know, cut out and you've got the chops for, uh, for this industry. <laughs> so really dive into that. I'm curious, what, what's the difference between thriving chaos and thriving structure? So I, I think I'll start with the striving, thriving chaos uh, part of it. I was said that like opening a business is like throwing a jigsaw puzzle onto a table, right? <laughs> so you have these million pieces that you just got to put together, start with the corners, work on the edges, and then work your way towards the middle. And I think if, if you're one of these people that just loves getting up every day, designing your own day, and really just taking a puzzle and putting it together, then you're probably cut out for, you know, either owning your own business and especially maybe owning your own restaurant. Now, on the other hand, if you're a thriving structure person, if you love getting up, knowing you have to be at work at 845, you know, you're going to get off at 445 and you have, you know, XXX to do if you um, are really task-based, then you know, it's not saying that the restaurant industry or that owning your own business isn't for you, but you might have a better support role as opposed to, you know, really just digging in there and starting it yourself. So, yeah, um, yeah, I always ask people that at the beginning. <laughs> and I think eventually we all want to get to the point where we're thriving and we have structure. But the truth of the matter is you've got to be able to handle the chaos in the beginning because it's not going to be organized. Things are going to be crazy. And, you know, we want to be working towards in adding structure to that, but it doesn't happen overnight. Is that safe to say? Exactly. Because you start in chaos, like starting a business <laughs> is chaos. And if you can make sense of that, and if you get up every morning and you're like, let me attack this, I can't wait to go and just put this puzzle together piece by piece. Then, you know, I think, uh, I think you're cut for it, man. Awesome. So let's go to where it all started for you. Did I read someplace that you're a DJ for a while in Las Vegas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of how I spent my 20s is traveling around the country. And I, I DJed at a number of clubs throughout. And when I was in Las Vegas, I was kind of taking a vacation from my vacation out there. I went for like three months to Vegas, and I ended up staying for like a year and four months. Um, so it's kind of one of those extended vacations. Uh, but I was in I was in San Diego, and I saw these pedicabs in the gas lamp district. And I knew I was moving back to Columbus, Ohio at some point. So um, I just thought these are perfect. These are, these would just, you know, really take off in Columbus ended up buying like five of these bike taxis and uh, ETC pedicab, which is environmentally conscious transportation uh, pedicab opened uh, right around spring of 2008. And um, that was kind of my first venture into, uh, you know, my first toe dip into, uh, in, into, you know, my own project. So when you started this pedicab, was there the dream, the vision of one day owning your own food and beverage operation, or did it just happen? Not even a little. <laughs> <laughs> so I had no idea about food. You know, I had been a server before I had done a lot of front of the house stuff, but as far as like starting the own restaurant, I never, I never fell in love too much with the restaurant industry until you kept hearing from the people on the back of your pedicabs. You know, I'd be driving people around at two, three in the morning. They're like, oh, where's the pizza by the slice in this city? And at that time, we didn't really have any. So it was kind of one of those things after you kept hearing it so many times, it was like, all right, well, where is the pizza by the slice in the city? And I was living in this apartment in the short north district of Columbus. It's kind of our, our bar and art gallery district. And there was this parking lot that had this little 
uh, shack and it was 140 square feet. It was like seven feet by 20. And it had just been sitting there rotting for about 20, 30 years. I asked my landlord uh, if he minded if I, you know, tried to experiment with this thing. And yeah, pretty much we ended up setting up a, a pizza shop in there, uh, riding the bike taxi. And I'd have a, you know, a hundred bucks, two, three, 400 bucks to buy a pizza oven. And I wasn't buying new stuff. I was getting the cheapest auction stuff you can buy because it was an experiment at the time, right? <laughs> so uh, after doing that for uh, a few weeks, you know, eventually there was this pizza shop set up in this old shack. And, uh, and uh, you know, eventually it was like, all right, we got, a, we got a pizza shop ready to open. Who knows how to make pizza? <laughs> so this is a really cool story. And I mean, it, it's it's funny because I want to say it would, it would be really interesting if like it was intentional to start with what you could do. And I'm sure like the overhead to get a few bikes isn't that much. Like how much did it cost you to get those five bikes? Uh, I think it was like it was like 18 grand or something like that. So in the grand scheme of like, you know, business, like 18 grand is pretty, um, you know, a pretty low number. But, yeah. you know, we compared to 500 to, to a, a million that you would need to start a restaurant. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. So this was like a pretty, you know, low risk. Um, you know, it was just it was an experiment. So it was a low cost, low risk experiment, which has kind of been another one of my mantras. Like if you're trying to start something out go low risk, go low cost, you know, make sure you like it before, like you said, you throw, uh, you know, 500,000 or a million dollars into this project before you even know if you like the industry. Right. Yeah. And really the, the pedicab, uh, business is kind of falls underneath that umbrella of hospitality transportation, right? So you're in the business, you're, you're started in hospitality. And what I always tell people is start where you can, right. Uh, and that's a trend yeah. I've seen with so many successful people start where you can, like you might not be able to afford that brick and mortar spot today, but what can you do? Uh, and for you, uh, it wasn't intentional, but you started with this, the small, uh, five bike, uh, pedicab operation, which got cash flow, right? Which gave you something to start with, with low overhead, but you could, the low overhead, the, I mean, how much were you making? Do you mind me asking like what, what kind of cash flow were you getting with that business? With so the, a pedicab business is is a, is a really awesome business as long as you're riding the bike as well, you know. So you can rent those bikes out. Uh, so I rented four out per night, you know, at like thirty five bucks, so a couple hundred bucks every night. And then if you're riding the bike and if you're out there on a busy Saturday night or if there's like a football game or something that you're taking people to and fro, you can make anywhere from a hundred to like five six hundred bucks a night. So, you know, for somebody in their early 20s that's just, you know, out on one of these bikes getting the best exercise of their lives, <laughs> you know, this, this, I mean, it really was, it was, <laughs> I traded that in later for eating pizza. You can imagine what happened to my metabolism. <laughs> awesome. Uh, but yeah, man, the pedicabs was just this low cost, low risk experiment. It was just like the first step into, into, you know, doing your own thing. And once I realized that I kind of liked doing my own thing, you know, setting up that pizza shop, that first one that we did was, was super easy. And again, we took that approach, you know, what's the, what's the smallest step that we can take towards doing this? Mm. Because I didn't, I didn't know if people would, I, I, I assume people would like pizza. That's, that's pretty much a given, but you know, who knows if no, no, who knew if it would you know work out of this <laughs> 140 square foot shack, uh, that we had. So, um, luckily it, it didn't end up working. Awesome. So let's talk about what that process was like. 2009, you opened your first uh, brick and mortar, uh, Mikey's Late Night Slice. 
and you never had owned your own brick and mortar food and beverage operation. So that's like drinking from a fire hose, trying to learn out the, you know, the licensing and all this stuff. What was that like? What were your biggest challenges doing that? Yeah. So I would say the, <laughs> the funny story about that was, was, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I'd ride for a couple of weeks, have enough money to buy a pizza oven, uh, ride for a little while. And we'd have enough money to buy a refrigerator during that whole time. I was in there, you know, doing all the plumbing, myself i was doing all the painting i was ripping down you know the, the very few walls that existed in that place and really getting it ready for food service i did some electric too but it's really funny you can learn so much on youtube but what <laughs> they don't teach you on youtube is a lot about electric because i found that there's you know people don't want you to know a little bit about electrical work <laughs> they want somebody professional but you know again this was an experiment so you know i i rerouted some plugs and kind of figured it out and in like July 4th, uh, weekend of 2009, that's when Late Night Slice very, very quietly opened uh, in the short north. And I say it very quietly opened uh, because it was one of those things where I got the whole place set up. We were ready to go. I had sunk every dollar I had into doing this. It was probably like five or six grand to set this place up, uh, which looking back on it now, it's remarkable wow. um, that we could do it for that little bit of money. But uh, I say we opened very quietly because uh, w when we got everything set up and we were ready to, like, you know, start serving pizza, I called the health department and I was like, hey, we're ready to rock, you know, come in here and check us out and let's get us open. And they're like, OK, OK, well, <laughs> we're a little backed up. It's going to be about five weeks. Oh, and I yeah, I hung up the phone and we opened that night. <laughs> Whoa, OK. And we didn't actually we didn't actually get our health like we, we knew what the standards were, so we weren't you know, out of compliance or anything, but we just didn't have our official like stamp to open until almost five weeks later. And this is, you know, so far, I don't know if anybody is even still working there that worked at that time. So I'm pretty comfortable talking about it, but <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those like true, you know, business owner, entrepreneur things. They're like, well, I got to open cause I got rent next week. So <laughs> <laughs> cool. talk about rolling the dice, right? Um, so totally, okay. totally. Oh man. So, so many good things, uh, we could potentially be talking about right now. Um, you had mentioned openly that you didn't really know much about pizza. You didn't know like what made a good pizza. So where did you go to actually get the product? Cause you didn't have any experience. Did you have anybody on your team who had like the, that experience? Like how did you do that with no experience? Yeah. So, uh, we didn't have this, like, like I never had this like recipe that, you know, was my grandmother's that I needed to get to the people. It was, it was one of these things we started making pizza, like the way we like to eat pizza. So, you know, it's kind of a combination between a big floppy New York style slice and just like an Ohio style. And there's actually an Ohio style of pizza or like a Midwest style. So we kind of did like a combination of that but you're very typical pizza by the slice. And honestly, man, I learned off YouTube. I mean, that was pretty much it. I learned how to stretch a dough ball uh, from a dough ball into a giant sheet of dough, which is really, really hard. If you don't yeah. know what you're doing, <laughs> it's really hard. Uh, I've <laughs> yeah. grew up working in pizza places. So I, I hear what you're saying. Um, so, I mean, there's a huge lesson there in that if you want something bad enough, it's 2018. Now you're doing this in 2009. Like the information is out there. There's no excuse to knock it out there and learn and just grow every day on uh, your great example. of 100%. that. So you had two other partners that came into this with you, right? Yeah, sure did. So, so uh, Jason, yeah, the, what's the dynamics there? So Jason, uh, Jason Bienda was my, uh, kind of like right hand man on the pedicab business. He was, you know, riding from me from the beginning. 
And then when we started the whole late night slice thing, it was kind of natural for him to just like hop on and, you know, start supplementing some of those days working in the shop and, and riding the bike taxis. So Jason is incredibly talented with, you know, graphic design, photography, social media. Like he does, he does, he excels splendidly where I don't. <laughs> so uh, Jason, and I always say makes late night slice look and sound and feel like late night slice. Um, so he's, he's been with us since the beginning and he, uh, you know, we wouldn't be where we are without, without Jay. Um, my other partner, Bryce came on. Um, he came on actually way in the beginning. The second thing we did, uh, November, 2009, which is about six months after we opened, uh, we wanted to get a food truck. And at the time we had no idea that food trucks were going to be a thing that we weren't trying to get in on the food truck phenomena. We just wanted something that we could drive to the festivals. So we, uh, you know, Bryce had a great job at the time and I was like, Hey, all that money you got, why don't you, uh, buy this food truck and, you know, you can buy into the business. So he did. And, uh, Bryce continues to, uh, actually run the business side of things, uh, to this day. So, uh, we're, we're an exceptionally good trio and we, uh, we really, uh, complement each other on our, on our skill sets. So let's talk about the dynamics of a partnership. Um, so far it sounds like, uh, Jason's more of the marketing multimedia, uh, design guy. Bryce is the capital. Maybe he has some capital to invest in the trucks. I'm assuming in yep. business mentality. Mm-hmm. So what would yep. you label yourself as? So I pretty much just do concept development. So that's my big thing is just the experience. And I, I hope to get into that later, but the experience of going to one of our shops is what really gets me out of bed in the morning. Like we serve pizza by the slice, you know, who cares? So do, you know, 10 other people in town, you can walk out of anybody listening right now can walk out of their door and, you know, within 10 minutes, find somebody that's going to sell them some kind of pizza. So, you know, it's really not about the pizza that we have. It's really about what we do around it and the experience. And that's really what I, um, that's really what I bring to the table is just concept development and, and the experience of actually going to one of our restaurants. So what about operations? I see a lot of, you know, business capital, the business, the, the money guy of finance, uh, the marketing, uh, the design, uh, you have the concept development. You're the dreamer. I like to call you the dreamer. What about operations? How did you guys figure out the operations? Uh, we figured out operations really by necessity. And, you know, I've always, um, I always feel bad for our operations guys. You know, we've had, I think three now, um, and all three of them have been awesome and they've, they fit the business perfectly in the times that they were there. Um, but the operations guy, especially when you're in, you know, the kind of growth mode that, you know, that, that we've been, it's kind of like this catch all position that, if you have any question, if anybody has any question in the company, it's always like, well, go ask Eric, <laughs> you know, or go ask <laughs> Drew or, you know, cause they, they know the passwords and they know how to do this. It's, it's the operations job is just this catch all. Uh, and it's such an important job, but sometimes I feel bad for those guys when they walk in the office and like 10 heads turn cause they all want his attention <laughs> because they all need to ask him a question. And, so, you know, I, I would say out of necessity, you know, when, when you, when you start opening, you know, a food truck and a, in a brick and mortar and you have a couple other projects, you, you really need, you know, somebody that can just, you know, be that catch all person. And it's, it's such an invaluable position. It really is. So, I mean, I, I like to think, uh, a lot of people will say, don't get a partner, you know, partnerships don't work. I don't believe that. I, I truly believe that in order to be really successful in this industry, um, y- unless you're some freak, uh, you need people who 
are strong or you're weak. Um, and you need those partnerships. You need people to, to fill certain lanes. So how did you surround yourself with these people? Like what advice do you have for finding the right partners? You know what? I think they say this about, you know, don't get into business with your family. Don't get into business with your friends. Um, you know, we're a great example of how, you know, friends and family can work awesomely as long as you trust that person and everybody's working towards the same goal. So, you know, Jason, I've known for, you know, a good 20 some years now, I think 23 or four years. And Bryce, you know, we met freshman year in high school. So, and these guys are, you know, and along with a couple of other guys that are in the office, I mean, these are dudes that I've known for 20 some years now. Uh, We've been in business now for about eight and a half. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they've been friends or if they're family. It just, it, it depends on if they're trustworthy if they are hardworking and they're all working towards the same goal. So, I mean, we're such a good example of how it can, it can really work awesomely. Yeah. And you know, I'm so happy you're saying this because you know, there isn't a a problem with partnerships. There's probably a problem with your partner and you got to really, you know, right. know the people you're going into business with the, the founder of big red F uh, was on the show. Um, his name. Wow. It's escaping me right now, but the point is uh, he said that you need to be willing to marry your partners. Cause when you go into business with them, it's a marriage uh, it's it could be for life. Yeah. And you know, you need to trust them with your, your money, your finances, uh, your well being. And it sounds like to you that the two key things that the glue that holds that together is trust, which I think comes with time and knowing people before you go into business. And the last part, which I think is really important is same goals. So how did you guys get on the same page? How did you know what those goals were? Like, how did you commit to those same goals? <laughs> well, well, for one, we were married way before, <laughs> way before we got into business. There you go. <laughs> so, so that made it, that made it pretty easy. Uh, my wife always says that she married into another already populated marriage before she got there. And I totally agree with her on that one. Um, so what was the question? I, I forget where we went. From so there. like you said, what's important is trust in common goals. So yeah. Right. Was there a process of you sitting, get yeah, where we did you sit down? Did you write these things out? Like this, this is our mission. This is what we're going for. These are our values. And we all like, you need to pull in the same direction. So how do you get on the same page? Yeah. So I would say as, as long as there's the potential there and everyone sees the potential in your project, then, you know, you have a common goal and we didn't get to, you know, mission, vision, values and all that stuff till, till years later in the business. And, you know, hopefully we can dive into that a little bit too about how we got there. But, you know, I would say if, if you got a common goal and there's potential, you know, I mean, we had a pizza by the slice place in a busy bar district, you know, it, it, we weren't reinventing, you know, things here. So it was easy to have lines. And when you have lines, you're like, cool, we're doing something right. We have, we have potential. Let's just keep, you know, chipping away at this. And, you know, when you're in that growth mode of a, you know, startup or a small business or a project, um, you know, it's, you just chip away every hurdle that you come to, you just, you hop over at that time. None of us really ever came from, we we never came from pizza. We never came from, you know, the small business world. We never came from the big business world. So we had this kind of unique take on everything where everything that we, this perspective that everything that we, every challenge that we faced was kind of facing with this really fresh mind. So, um, sometimes that was a bad thing because it took us so long and we tripped and we stumbled and we fell and we crawled through every problem. And that, 
is really expensive sometimes and it's really time consuming sometimes. Um, but you know, everything we did, we just, we just, we hopped over that hurdle whenever it came to us and you just kept building and building. And, you know, all of a sudden you have, you know, a, a thriving little business, uh, there because you just hop over those hurdles as yeah. they come to you. And one thing you mentioned earlier, which I had intended to highlight and forgot to, to highlight is the value of just listening to a market. So you got to drive around on these pedicabs and you just listen to what the market wanted, what the market needed. And you found the niche. It will talk to you. It will highlight itself to you. If, if you, if you're receptive to it and you listen, um, didn't want to skim over that. Um, so, Okay, let's talk about scaling. So you have one operation, 2009, and it took you only a few years to really grow this thing. So uh, there's only so many of you. You can't be in all these places. So what advice do you have on scaling a business? Um, that's a really great question. And I think my one thing, you know, that people ask is, you know, when, when should I grow? You know, and I, I hear that a lot from people is that, you know, when should I add another location? When should I buy another food truck? And my advice there is, you're ready to grow. You're ready to add another location when you can go on a four to five day vacation and not get one phone call. Okay. So how do you get to that? When point? you can, will you do that by really focusing on your processes by uh, your systems and making sure that, that you can leave. If you're, if you're the only person who can answer questions, then you haven't let go enough yet. And you haven't put in enough structure within your business and that's personal structure and, uh, uh, you know, detailed structure that if you can walk away from that business for a couple of days and not get a phone call, then, you know, you're, then you've done your job as the owner and as you know, the, the person running that business, you've let go enough and you put those processes and systems in place that, you know, you've, you've earned that right to go. So again, it's just about putting those systems and processes in place and developing those. And this isn't stuff you have to, you know, totally sit at a, you know, word processor and just type out <laughs> all of your processes and systems. You know, a lot of that stuff comes naturally. We had a couple of, uh, a couple of guys that taught us way early on the importance of systems and processes and detailing, you know, down to a really granular level, uh, what it takes to run a restaurant without, you know, me or one of, us being there. And we call that like the Kevin and Lindsay rule <laughs> because early on, and I know this is such a common story. You know, we'd get a, uh, we'd get a phone call at like two in the morning, you know, from, from our guy, Kevin, who, you know, is such a good buddy to this day. And he'd be like, Mike, Mike, something's wrong. The pizza oven just turned off. And we'd go like, all right, Kevin, hold on. <laughs> is it turned on? He's like, yeah, it's turned on. I'm like, all right. Is it plugged in? Okay, hold on okay, it wasn't plugged in. <laughs> it's working now. Okay. Okay. Kevin, thanks. So when you get in and Lindsay was another one of these guys that you had to spell out everything. I think, you know, the, the opening list we had for him started off with step one, unlock door, step two, turn on light, <laughs> you know? So it was just like detailing every process, every step that it takes to, to open say a location or something, uh, uh, every, every, every detail, just write it down and, and put a little system to it. And all of a sudden, you know, you start building these processes and systems. And then at some point, uh, you know, you're able to, you're able to let go of that vine and then you're able to free yourself to either grow the business or take some time off or whatever. But I always say, if you can take a four day vacation and not get one phone call, then you're ready to grow. Yeah. And I want to put a little more emphasis on the, the how and how to do this is 
what you said is write everything down that needs to get accomplished in a day for a day done right. What, what that looks like and then start with the end of mind and then work backwards. What needs to happen to get that done? And that's how you exactly. start developing these processes and literally write them out. They're like checklists for a pilot, uh, you know, opening checklists. Okay. These are all the things, you know, uh, serving, like how to serve a customer. These are the things in closing to like it, literally everything that needs to happen, write it down, standardize things. And then the other thing that you talked about the Kevin and Lisa rule is protocol. If this happens, which yeah. isn't standard, what do we do? And whenever those things happen, exactly, just document it. Like this is a new thing that if I wasn't here, would be up shit's Creek, you know, like what would, yep. what would I do? And then write that down. So, so, so important. And that was what you so said. Important. Yeah. That's how you scaled this into how many locations and how many years. Yeah. So we, we have, uh, our growth model for the longest time was screw it. Let's try it. So we got ourselves into, you know, we have three brick and mortars. We were just about to open our fourth. We have two pizza trucks. Uh, we are the official food provider of, a, of two big concert venues here in town. And then we just got out of a bunch of corporate cafeterias. And uh, that was a, a great stepping stone for us. We also did a bunch of bar kitchens for a while. We were in two to three bar kitchens and all these cafeterias. So we, we really had our hands in a lot of um, and a lot of different pies and it really took us up until a year, year and a half ago that we, you know, really focused on the, the concept that we wanted to grow with. And we closed down some things that weren't really contributing to the brand or the experience. And, uh, we're, we're ready to rock now in 2018. We're getting ready for a really, really, uh, cool sprint. Mike, yeah, I want to open in uh, two to three locations. I want to go deeper, dude. I want to go into this a little bit more. I think there's a lot of value in the idea of getting creative and not just thinking, Oh, brick and mortar, but like corporate corporations, venues, like there's these you know corporate parks, these places that need food. If you, if you're the solution, you don't have to invest all of your money into these uh, brick and mortar places. You can go into existing places and sell your product. Uh, where'd you get that idea? That idea really came to us. And like I said, our growth model was, you know, screw it. Let's try it. So, you know, in the beginning, after we got a, after we got our first food truck, you know, the next thing we did is we opened up a bar kitchen. Uh, there was this pretty popular bar that, you know, needed a, uh, you know, basically needed an operator for their kitchen. And when you're starting out, like having somebody let you operate their kitchen is such an awesome stepping stone. Now it's not a silver bullet. It's not going to, you know, propel you into stardom or anything, but it, what it will do is it really lets you stretch your legs with your concept in a very relatively low risk, low cost, uh, environment. So, you know, the bar kitchen, you don't have to set up a bar. You don't have to set up a kitchen. You know, generally they have their own equipment in there. You, you, you paste your name on the wall, you get a menu out, you buy some food and you start going, you know? So another one of these ways that, you know, within the first, I think year and a half, we had, you know, a small brick and mortar. It was more like a concession stand. We had a food truck and we had this bar kitchen and that really just taught us the, the importance of, you know, systems and processes and, and, you know, taking these low risk, uh, you know, low cost experiments and, you know, they're, they're, it's day one, it's pretty much profitable, which is, which is, you know, the coolest thing. Cause you have, you almost put nothing into it. So we did a lot of that. And, like I said, good things and bad things. When you're opening up a bar kitchen, you're relying on that bar to bring in almost all the people that are then you're hoping a percentage of are going to eat from you. So, you know, generally if the bar kitchen is closed, no matter where, there's a reason. 
So it, it, it means it didn't work for the owner in the beginning. So there's, there's definitely like, it's, it's, like I said, it's not a silver bullet going into a bar kitchen, but if you go into the right scenario, it can really be an awesome stepping stone, you know, to, to really propel that business to the next step. Awesome. So what came first, uh, the, a second brick and mortar location that was your own, or were you getting into these venues? So the venues came a little bit later. Uh, okay. the venues were one of those hard fought wars, but Give we had a, Oh, shit. um, let's say we opened our second brick and mortar, I think in 2011 or 12. And that was, it was like a takeout place. So it was, a. Uh, it wasn't really a concession stand like the first one was, but it was a, um, you know, it was, it was more like a kind of a takeout counter that was, uh, kind of attached to this bar a little bit North of Ohio state campus. And we still have that location to this day. Uh, it's, 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 it's a great little, great little pizza shop. It really is. Um, but that was our, that was probably our fourth thing we did. And then, then we just started kind of going into lots of bar kitchens and we, we had a little music venue in town called the Newport. It's the oldest, continually operating, uh, you know, music hall in the country. And they were looking for a food partner and they had another huge concert venue, uh, here in Columbus. And we knew we wanted to get into that. So we know that'd be a good step is to get into the Newport first. And within a year, uh, we had the food contract for, um, promo West pavilion, which is now express live. And, um, that's, it's such an amazing marketing tool for us. Within that time, we added a couple more food trucks as well. So at our hype, we had three food trucks, and uh, we still have the two concert venues and, uh, you know, three brick and mortars at this time, too. So. so like eight separate operations under one umbrella. Yeah. Wow. And it's almost like four fingers of the business. And re- most recently, we added a, a delivery hub, what we call it, just because there's, you know, so many delivery partners out now with, you know, Amazon restaurants, Uber Eats, Grubhub. You know, you can I think we're partners with 12 of them. <laughs> so we took all that operation out of the shop and put it in our food truck commissary. So uh, every delivery that we do is, is concentrated out of, out of one area as, oh. opposed to, as opposed to the shops, which is awesome. Dude, there's so much to potentially talk about uh, systems, why you made these decisions. It's so hard for me to choose a direction right now. I want to uh, focus on uh, – I think this. there's some value. We don't talk a lot about this on the show, so I want to go in a little bit deeper. Uh, the idea of a food contract, getting into another venue, I feel like that's a good way to kind of uh, start, right, because there's such a little overhead. So what advice do you have for somebody uh, regarding contracts, regarding how to approach somebody uh, on getting into a, a food venue operation? Like, you know, I would say, yeah, as far as there's, there's a bunch of venues. And if you're in a big, if you're in a decent sized city, uh, you probably have a couple corporate office buildings that are probably managed by one of the big food companies like Levy or Aramark. Um, you know, you you can name a couple of the other, the big food providers out there. And what those guys are doing now, they're really seeing the value of bringing in local brands because their customers, you know, they're the people that are in these office buildings they like the, the, the brands better than the food that, you know, say Aramark is providing and they get to cut out a whole labor section by bringing you in and you're paying for your own labor. So there's a lot of opportunity in corporate cafeterias now. And we, I think at our height, we had like six corporate cafeterias. Some we were running one or two days a week. Some we were running five days a week. And it was an, another really awesome stepping stone. And I'll get into uh, bar kitchens in a second, but uh, the cool thing with being, in under an Aramark roof or a levy roof is that their standards are so high. 
Like when you're starting out, of course, you're following, you know, food safety guidelines, but the height of food safety guidelines is what these guys follow, these giant food service companies, because they're servicing thousands of people in these office buildings. So it made us such a better operator to have to, to, to really elevate to the standard that these guys operate at. And so that was, I think, one awesome takeaway from, you know, being in the corporate cafeteria world for, you know, the two years that we were in it is that, you know, A, we made some pretty decent money doing it and it made us such a better company operationally um, because we had to live up to these standards. Awesome. Um, so you had mentioned that the, the mission, vision, values didn't come till later. What happened? What triggered you to realize, hey, guys, uh, if we're going to be expanding, uh, we need to really get clear on what these things are. Like, where, When did you come to that realization? So we did. We, we went through a process, and this is going to lead into probably the last question you asked me at the end of this, which is the book I'd recommend. But, um, you know, we can get into it a little bit sooner here is uh, Traction. If traction by Gina Wickman, um, that I recommend for anybody that has, you know, if if you're a year or so into your, into your project and you don't have, you know, mission, vision, values set up, if you don't have your one year, 10 year, three year targets, if you don't have your niche, if you don't have, you know, basically all these things that, you know, you should do at some point, but you know, you're kind of too busy to, to really focus on them, you know, going through the traction process and the book is called traction. Um, it, 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 it changed us. It really propelled us into like, you know, project, I would say into business, so, uh, or maybe like, yeah. So what, at what yeah. point on the timeline did you develop this quote unquote traction? Uh, I would say that was 2000, probably 11, 12 so is when we really started in, diving yeah. in. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. And how many operations do you have at this point? Uh, we have, we're down to seven now, now that we've, no, not at this point the, uh, at, at that point, 2011, 2012. Oh, at that point, I think, Oh boy, we have probably like the three brick and are the two brick and mortar stores. Um, uh, and then the two food trucks and the uh, concert venues. So, so we were probably right around at like five or six. So was there a tension at this point? Was there a need for it? Were you guys struggling and you needed a solution or did it something, were you being proactive? We were being proactive, okay. you know, I mean, I think there's always a need for it. It just depends on when you're ready to really put the time and effort in to developing your mission, your vision, your values, really thinking about the business and not being so far into the business. You know, I mean, when you're, when you're doing everything in the early stages, you don't have time to really think about, Oh, what's my mission statement? You know, you just, you just don't have the time because by the time you get done with your 13 to 15 hour day, of working in the restaurant and working on the front line or, you know, setting up these systems. The last thing you have to do is you know, the last thing you really care to do is focus on, you know, that big picture stuff. But, um, you know, when you do and can't afford the time to do it, it's, it's such a game changer. It really yeah. is. I think the other part of that too, is when you're smaller and you're working with your close friends, like you were in this circumstance, uh, birds of the same feather flock together. The values, the goals are, uh, kind of unspoken. Uh, you know, what those are. But as you start to grow, you start bringing on more people, you know, you start to dilute that original essence, right? That, that mojo. And you really got to get clear on this is what we stand for. And that also helps you find other people. Do they align with these things that we stand for? Uh, and it, it can be something that makes or breaks your business. Um, it's super valuable. Um, so it, it really ahead. is. 
So I was going to say it is super valuable because it's so easy to get lost in the day to day. It's so easy to forget about the culture. You know, it's so easy to forget about, you know, why your people are, are coming to work for you every day because they love, they thrive in that small business atmosphere and they love seeing the owner working right next to them every day. And when, you know, you take yourself out of that, you know, that, that the personality or the drive that you have, when you take yourself out of that, you know, you've really got to make sure that that, that is still there, that that disposition, the attitude is still there because if you take that away and, you know, don't fill it with anything, you start just letting whatever attitudes are, are working with you kind of start running the prison and, you know, it can go south really fast if you're not, you know, really driving that culture. And if you really don't have a hand on it. So, um, we did that. We got lost for, you know, probably a good two years where it just wasn't a fun place to work for a couple of years because, you know, I was out of the shops by that point and we just didn't have, you know, the cultural backbone to really, you know, to, to drive how these places and how the people working in them should act and feel and respond and interact with customers and everything. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it was really important. The way I like to think of it, you know, when you start a restaurant, uh, and I like to say this all the time, you've heard me say it before, behind every great restaurant, it's a great person. And what that great person is doing is uh, recreating themselves and others in the early days. But they get to physically do that by standing right next to that person. But as you grow and as you get more people, it's harder and harder to recreate yourself and others by physically doing it like right next to them. So you have to, like we said, start with those systems, processes, procedures, you know, create your the physical you there and then you have to create the uh i guess the i guess the spiritual you your values what you stand for and you need to start creating like the, the manuals to really impose yourself or in, imprint yourself onto these other people even if you're not there uh because once you grow it's it yeah. really hard to uh, recreate yourself and others and um, you know what i think you touched on it earlier which was awesome it was about hiring your friends mm-hmm. you know and that's one thing that you know, when you're in that beginning stage and you got your project and you're super excited about it, you get into what I call the friend zone where you hire all your friends yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's a really awesome, you know, like some danger. benefit to that. <laughs> and that's that You have trust, you know, you can yeah. trust all your friends that they're probably not going to steal from you, that they're going to show up on to work on time. And then you start getting out of the friend zone because your friends were there in the beginning where your say rule for drinking was don't get drunk <laughs> like yeah, we used to have, yeah. you know? So, and then, you know, you start getting out of that, you know, comfort builds contempt. So you, you get out of that phase eventually. Um, but the friend zone is, is a pretty cool area to be in. And there's a, uh, there's a lot of lessons that you can learn when you're in the friend zone. And uh, it's, it's funny when you realize you have to get out of it. Mm. Uh, and some of the people that started with us eight years ago are still, are still here with us. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's gotta be willingness to grow and realize that at some point this has got to become a real business and a real big boy job. And you can't just, you know, come in and, and do whatever you want and, uh, you know, screw off. So around the 2012 time, there was also rumor of starting a franchise. What happened there? So we, we thought franchise might be a good idea. And this is, you know, one of those things when you get into, when you, when you get the idea that you want to do more than one of these, or you see potential in the project, um, you know, franchising is, is a very, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like a rite of passage. You have to go and research whether franchising is right for you. And we went down the road a little bit, but we just weren't ready for it. And we talked to enough people that, you know, told us the benefits of not going franchise and the benefits of going the franchise route. Um, to this day, we, we've decided that we're not going to go the franchise route. 
and we're really happy with that right now. I doubt that will change in the future, but uh, it was just one of those one of those one of those avenues we had to explore, and I'm glad we did, and I'm glad we made the decision uh, as of right now to uh, to stay with company owned. Why wasn't it right for you? Uh, we a we didn't want to grow that fast. Uh, we I never had intentions of doing you know you know thirty of these things in a year. Um, I don't I didn't think we were ready to be franchised because at the point we were looking at it, you know, we had a couple concession stands, we had a couple food trucks and we had some concert venues. There was honestly nothing all that repeatable. You know, I, I couldn't imagine somebody coming to the market and being like, all right, I'm buying into this mess, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, so it was a good small little business, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't purchasable. I, I didn't feel at the time the brand was, and, and that, that was one thing we've really spent a lot of time on is developing that brand. Um, but, you know, the business at the time, I just didn't think was franchisable. So, you know, we explored it and we just decided to pass. So five years into owning a restaurant, uh, you went and went from uh, the, the counter service, right? I'm, I'm assuming it was counter service, uh, yep. is a counter service to full service. What was that transition like? So when we opened our, what we call our South 4th Street restaurant, you know, we knew we needed to basically take all the lessons that we had learned from running concession stands, running a food truck and turn that experience into someplace you could walk into. And that was a real struggle of taking the experience of walking up to a food truck and turning that into, you know, a, 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 a restaurant space that you can walk into. So, you know, we spent a lot of time on, uh, you know, how to recreate that experience with a brick and mortar store that wasn't, you know, a concession stand or a, or a carryout. So, and, and we screwed it up the first time we did it. So for the first year that we had that location open, you know, we were full service and we were, we had a full liquor program down there, but we were, you know, you'd go in, you'd grab a, a seat and a, and a server would come up to you. And the reason we screwed that up is because that wasn't the experience people wanted. You know, when people walked into the store, knowing what their previous experiences with late night slice was where you could just walk up to a concession stand or you can walk up to a food truck or walk up to, uh, you know, this carry out or a concert venue. And then all of a sudden they walk into this restaurant and they have servers and, you know, it was just the, there was just a real big disconnect. So it took us about a year to really turn that boat around. But what we ended up adopting is a, a fast casual model. So people, you know, you, you go in the door, you stand in line, you order your pizza by the slice. And then you can sit down um, and we have a full liquor program. So it's almost fast casual with a full liquor program. And there were some hurdles to figuring out how to do fast casual with full liquor. Um, but as soon as we nailed that and it is, it is a smooth, smooth running machine at this point. And that's, that's our growth vehicle. That's the, 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 the concept that we're um, getting ready to open up another one here in downtown Columbus in about two to three months. Um, and that's a, you know, we got a project uh, in Cincinnati that uh, we're about to start construction on too. So we're just really focused on replicating that fast, casual, full liquor model. That's just a hell of an experience when you walk into it. So what does the fast, casual, full liquor model nailed look like? So that was, that was the hardest thing to figure out is, you know, how do you push alcohol when you're standing in line and you're just getting basically your food right at the point of sale and then walking, you know, walking to your seat and sitting down. So what we ended up doing is the bar was kind of connected to the point of sale and you know, our system is, is when you walk in and you order a pizza, the person at the point of sale says, would you like anything from the bar? And if they say yes, 
we just open them up a tab and they scoot down to the next area, which is um, kind of like a little portioned off section of the bar without stools. And then their tabs already open at the bar POS and they just order their drinks right from there. So how did so you track? So it was just kind of like, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. How did you track the, the guests? How did you know that this guest who ordered this is sitting there? Like, how do you keep track of that trend? Like, how do you commute that, that information to the, to the bartender from the, the, I guess the order. Well, they actually just stood, they stood right at the bar. So they'd basically open a tab right at the pizza POS. They'd get their slices and then they'd just step down a couple steps to the left and they're right at the bar then. And the, the pizza POS person, they just opened them up a tab. So it's already under their last name. They just go to the bar and say, you know, I want to, you know, vodka soda and my, you know, last name is Smith. Oh, okay. Okay. So you just used by last name. Basically, you didn't have like exactly. a seat arrangement, like a like a seat. Uh, they're at table five or seat five. We do. We have the you know the number on a pole system because some people order uh, you know some appetizers that take a, a moment or two, or they have um, you know a, a full pie that that takes you know ten or twenty minutes or something. So yeah, we have a number system too. But it's just as far as you know, really making that a fast casual model with a full service bar work. Um, you know, I think we, I think we did a pretty good job of, uh, of figuring that one out. Awesome. So, I mean, I can't believe we're already almost at 50 minutes. Time goes by so fast. Uh, there's a couple other things I picked up just from doing, you know, some research and digging that I think you do really well. Uh, one being you also, you use your website as a way to sell merchandise. I think not enough restaurants take advantage of that channel of revenue. Um, you did some retail, you packaged some of your, your products, your sauces, which is smart. Uh, but I also want to leave some time for you to talk about what you want to talk to, what you can bring to the table. So what do you think we should spend the the next five, 10 minutes going over before we move to the, the speed round? You know, I think you kind of nailed it there, Eric. It's kind of the, uh, you know, what else we do around the business and, you know, our social media is, is killer and we've done a great job of, of brand building. I feel over the, over the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, we've had many people that run, social media marketing services point us out as exactly how you should really connect with, you know, your socials. So I, I encourage everyone to, to, to get on, you know, the late night slice Facebook page or the Instagram and, you know, just check out what we've been doing. We've put an incredible focus on video content lately. So um, they've been putting me in a lot of these videos, which I'm a little bit uncomfortable with. And I think, you know, don't want to, uh, you know, go too far down the, uh, you know, <laughs> Papa John road there, anything, but it has been fun. But if you really look at uh, the, the things that we're doing on the interactions that we get in our, in our social media, um, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty solid, man. So um, go I'm, I'm deeper. really proud of them. I want more. I'm going to get greedy here. Go deeper. Uh, give us more than, uh, just do video. Like what are you doing with video that's working? Yeah. So, I mean, everybody's saying that video is the way to go now because you Facebook and Instagram are putting so much uh, emphasis on video content. So they're putting that at the top. So uh, of your feeds, it's just one of those things. It's kind of where the current climate is in social media. So, um, you know, I think I heard from one of your last, one of your last uh, uh, guests who says, you know, don't, don't give them the commercial, give them the story. Mm. So that's what we've been really putting a lot of focus on is, you know, we don't just put a, you know, a, a, a slice of pizza on our Instagram and say, you know, check out our traditional pepperoni, come in and, you know, come in and buy it and eat it. It's good. You know, we put a video up there that really, you know, basically it makes people laugh. A lot of the, a lot of the stuff we do has almost little to do with pizza. It's just made to get people laughing, to get people engaged. 
Um, again, it's, you know, I, I think I said it before, it's not about our pizza. I think personally we have really awesome pizza. We have, you know, an award-winning product, but it's not about the pizza. You can walk anywhere and get pizza. It's about what we do around it. Yeah. So it's about that experience of going into the store. You know, it's about the art we have on the walls. It's the wallpaper. It's the name of the pizzas. Uh, we have a lot of, you know, crazy pizza of the weeks. And then externally, it's, you know, again, not about our pizza. It's about the story that we tell around our pizza online. Mm. Um, and I think that's really important for anybody, no matter if you own a laundromat, or if you own a, a restaurant or whatever, it's, you know, it's not about the product that you sell. It's about what you do around that product. That's really going to make you stand out. Yeah. It's, your, it's, it's the, and then what, right? Yeah. Take people through the process, uh, show them behind the scenes. Like the way I like to think of it is, you know, people get too focused on trying to explain to people, like you say, they give people the commercial, but just focus on being great and doing good uh, doing good, good business, you know, and, uh, having those processes and getting them right. And then just open a window to what your world looks like and show people what the day to day is. And they'll relate to you. It's, it's, it's good content. Yeah. Uh, and it, you just, just be you, but just focus on being great and then show people the greatness. Yep. And make people laugh. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's one thing that, that we've adopted, you know, from the beginning. And that's, you know, we, we have a certain irreverent style of, uh, you know, marketing and humor with late night slice. And it's just, you know, make people laugh. That's, that's, I think so important. If you get people talking about your business, that is the best thing you can do. Like just get people talking. Awesome. Um, people talking is the best thing you can do for any, any business. Get them talking. Great. Great. Awesome stuff, dude. Um, all right. So let's take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. Unless there's anything else you want to mention. Uh, no, I think that's, that's pretty solid, man. <laughs> you, you're doing great. I would agree. It's solid. We're going to go to break. All right, man. You're crushing it right now. How, how do you feel? All right, guys. It's time to get real and answer this question honestly. Does the quality of your website match the quality of your restaurant? If the answer is no, you need to do something about it because 89% of your guests will go to your website before going to your restaurant. So you've got to make sure you're bringing it to all aspects of your business. And this is where Bento Box comes in. Not only will Bento Box help you deliver your brand and your story online, but it will help you leverage the full potential of the internet because websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that help you drive revenue. With Bento Box, easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events, plus way more directly from your website. Find out why Bento Box is trusted by thousands of restaurants around the world, including past and future guests like Suvla, Pizza Emily, 11 Madison Park, The Meatball Shop, and more. Head to getbento.com and make sure you mention Restaurants Unstoppable to get up to $1,500 off your initial setup. Payroll and benefits, it's hard. Sometimes it feels like a foreign language, especially for small businesses. I mean, you, you're too busy running your business. You don't have time to be an expert in all things taxes and regulations. That's why there's Gusto. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. 
PC Mag and Fit Small Business have called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto will save you time. 72% of customers spend less than five minutes to run their payroll. Gusto is more efficient and reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching to Gusto. People who succeed in this industry have access to systems and information, and Gusto will provide both. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. Sign up today and get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable. G-U-S-T-O dot com slash unstoppable. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Oh, I would say, you know, knowing that it's all about the experience of going into the restaurant, you know, it's not about your product. It's about the experience that surrounds your product that is really going to catapult you. I think that's, I think that's late night slices it factor. Cause again, anybody can sell pizza. It's what we do around what we do that, you know, that, that makes us what we are. What is your biggest weakness? Ooh, personally stick to it in this. I am like the worst at shine. <laughs> like you put a dangly set of keys in front of me and I'm like, Ooh, cool. Let's do that. How have you gotten better? <laughs> so yeah. How have I gotten better? I've, I've had to focus. I've had to really just like, you know, nail my shoes to the desk and just sit down. And that's, that's just not what I really excel at. You know, I'm not a desk person by any stretch. So, you know, having to run a company as opposed to building a company is, is such a different avenue to, to, to grow into. And it's really a struggle, man. It really is for me to not, you know, I'd much rather be down there, you know, doing the plumbing and painting or, you know, putting up wallpaper or, you know, being just, you know, hands-on in the restaurant. And right now I've kind of turned that into, or it's kind of turned into a, a desk job, you know, where it's way more of a nine to five, you're actually running something as opposed to building something. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, 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 it is such a different job than, than building, running a company is such a different job than, than building it. <laughs> it sounds like thrive in structure. If you ask me, I, 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 now I have to learn to thrive in structure because cool, dude, I got chaos, man. Like I, I love chaos. Now I have to like thrive in structure and it's a struggle. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> what's one question or thing you look for during the interview process? Uh, during the interview process, you know, we have this thing where, uh, you know, hire for attitude, you know, you can, you, you know, you can teach skills. So, you know, we always say that if, if, if an interviewer comes in, there's two parts of this. So the one is if somebody comes in and they have an awesome attitude, I'd almost rather have somebody come in with just that, that kick-ass bubbly attitude that you just like, I need that person. I don't care if they don't have any experience in pizza or restaurants or whatever, we can teach them the skills. All right. So let's get them in there and let's teach these people because it's so rare that you get, you know, that awesome personality in there and everybody in any restaurant has, you know, those one or two or three or more people that you're like, I couldn't live without them because their attitude is so good. So always, you know, hire for hire for attitude, train for skill. What's your second? Cur- oh, go on. <laughs> there was, there's a second part to that. Go for and, it. Oh, you know what? I, I just, uh, 
I just, I just, it just escaped me. I'll think about it. I'll bring it back. Yeah. When it comes back to top of mind, just let me know. We'll squeeze it in. Uh, what is your biggest challenge today? Uh, I would say my biggest challenge today is, you know, just figuring out how, you know, when you're in a growth mode, you know, scenario, like we are, it's just figuring out how to do it correctly. You know, it's, we're, we're just about to open up our first restaurant that is two hours south of us. And it's just like, making sure you have all those systems and processes in place and you're never going to have everything perfect, especially on your first one. And I've realized that, um, but you know, just making sure you have all those, all those, the, the best foot forward you can to make sure that, you know, something that's two hours away or whatever is going to be, is going to be successful without you being there or even a lot of your team being there. Awesome. And uh, share one code of conduct or behavior. This is kind of like a value you teach your team, teaching them how to be. Uh, you know, this is one of those ones we have, we have three and our values are, and when we, when we redid our values, they were, um, they were the things that already existed in the restaurant. We just had to pluck them out and define them. And our values at late night slice are, are one human family. And that was one thing that we adopted from the beginning and when we went to do our mission, vision, values, you know, that was something we just had to pluck out because it, it had already existed in the restaurant and in the company. You know, we just didn't realize that it was so crucial to what we do. And uh, our value for that is our community is our family and our family is our community. We will treat every Paisan, our, our, our employees are, we call them Paisans, um, every Paisan and guests with fairness and respect. We will foster and maintain a no ceilings policy and we will not grow faster than we grow our people. Mm. We will celebrate the individual and take people as they are. Yes. We will be focused on the Paisan experience and we will never forget we're a people company first. Yes. So that was one human family. Um, our next one is pay leave. So that's a, that's a, another big part of late night slice. We have it, you know, all over our branding and our pizza boxes is basically that like pay, eat, get out. And what that says about us in, in a value sense is experiences everything without it. We are just a pizza shop. Our products, flavors, design, marketing, and voice will create a guest experience that is unique, fun, and worth telling people about. We'll be brand led, morally sound, design focused. We'll create trends, not follow them. We'll embrace change, change is progress, and progress is growth. Beautiful. And finally, the last <laughs> part of that is no squares. Um, and we have never cut our pizza in squares. That's kind of one of these like funny things that I will cut it in as many slivers as you want, but never squares. It's kind of like an Ohio Midwest thing to do that party cut square, you know, thing. So you need the crust totally decided. Yeah. Yeah. You need the crust. (laughs) And so that in, in the form of our values goes, our products will not be dull, conventional or out of touch with current trends. We will encourage expression from our paisans and we will never cut our pizza in squares. Awesome. So those are our, those are our values. Dude, I'm loving this. I'm really loving this. So what is an uncommon standard of service? So these are like physical things. They might be uncommon to the industry, but they're standard practices for you on how to treat or serve people. Um, it kind of goes back to the, you know, the mission vision values thing. Um, for us, we try to balance the line and have fun with our guests. I mean, we're, we're a late night pizza place there's generally a solid amount of drunk people that walk into our doors. Um, you know, we have fun with them. I, for, for a couple of years back in my early days, I worked at Dick's last resort and I worked at a couple of them and you, you really learn, you know, what, you know, what Dick's last resort. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a company where it kind of like you, 
kind of like mistreat your customers and kind of berate them a little bit. You have fun. It's a blast. Best serving job ever had. Um, but you kind of learn that people, you know, kind of dig being, you know, being, uh, you know, messed with a little bit. So we, we took that and we, you know, we always have fun with people, what we do with a smile and, you know, we never let it get out of control or anything. So, yeah, um, you, gotta do you know, it. we like to, we like to have fun. You got to make sure the, you know, the, the low road of communication is all in fun and good times. Uh, if you know, and people totally. will read the bottle, that's a perfect example of people reading like the, the, the social, the body language, you might be saying one thing, but your body language and what you're doing with your body and how you're saying it is communicating something totally different. So you gotta be careful there, but it can be done. If it's done well, it could be really impactful. Uh, so share an online resource or tool, something that's intangible that you have to access through the internet. You know, we have, we have a couple that we rely on really heavily as far as technology goes one. And it sounds kind of crazy, but it's Facebook. You know, we, we rely on Facebook groups and every one of our restaurants, we have a, you know, a big Facebook group that covers the entire company. Um, and we have a, you know, smaller Facebook groups that are, you know, location-based, but we, as of right now, and I know this isn't probably the best platform, but everybody's already on it. So it's really easy to get information down to people. So, you know, we do personal like intercompany videos. I have a thing called two minutes with Mikey that I do, um, you know, every week or 10 days or so where it's, it's hard to get into the shops at this point every day. So if I can get, you know, some lessons, if we can get, you know, some, some teachable moments on video and push that down to people, um, you know, people are digging video. It's, it's easier for them to watch a two minute video where we can explain about, you know, anything going on in the company that we think everybody should know. Yeah. So that's one. And then we use, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, just kind of based off what we were talking about earlier, when you grow and you scale, it's hard to be in all these places at once imposing yourself or imprinting yourself on others. But if you use technology like Facebook to create these videos, your presence can be, you can spread that presence out, your, your attitude out, your, your voice, your, your, you know, it's through video. It's not as impactful, but it's better than nothing. Exactly. Exactly. Go ahead. Um, and QSR is another one we use. We, that's technology wise that uh that's that's really been helpful for us we actually had to adopt an entire new pos and that's that was such a big step for us to adopt a you know a a really good technology forward pos system and at that point we were and we just got done doing that like a month ago and then we were able to adopt a lot of these you know really cool pieces of technology that integrate right with the pos so you know qsr has been awesome so QSR um, is a software, correct? Uh, they were past sponsors of the show. What do you get with QSR? Oh man, you just, you get information at such a granular level. You're able to make decisions so nimbly. Um, where before it was really hard to spot and keep a hold of trends. You know, by the time you realize something was going awry, a lot of times, and in previous history for us, it was almost too late, or it was just a lot harder to turn around. And right now, you know, we have every morning we get, you know, an update, you know, from QSR that really just data mines and digs into our numbers and our, and our uh, history. And, you know, we can make decisions. We can spot trends so much faster than we were able to in the past. So um, that's been a really huge one for us. And we were a much better company for it. Give me an example, a specific number or trend you can track now that you weren't able to track before. Uh, so we were uh, waste. Waste is a big one. Um, so we, you know, we're a pizza by the slice place. We're open until 4 a.m., 3 a.m. some nights. Um, 
you know, we always have to have pizza on demand. So waste is kind of inherent in our business and that's okay. I want some waste. You know, I, I, I want people at the end of the night to be able to get exactly what they want. So ideally I'd like, and I tell people, I'd ideally like you to throw one slice of pizza away off of each flavor at the end of the night, because then I know that everybody that came in the door got exactly the flavor that they wanted. So now a lot of times you're not throwing away one slice, you're throwing away, you know, whole pies, you know, sometimes lots of whole pies. How many uh, so that was, flavors do you have? So we have six. We have okay. six on the menu that are available anytime you walk in, and then there's, there's a rotating pizza of the week. So six pizzas um, thrown that away. rotates every week. Up. Sure does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 and especially when you know you think you're going to get bombarded, and in our business, like I said, you have to be on demand. So you know sometimes you're throwing away a trash bag, you know, full of pizzas that just won't get eaten. And right now we're donating, or we're going through a process where we're starting to donate some of those pies. But whether you're throwing away or you're donating you know, you're still making a lot of product there that isn't getting sold. So, you know, that was one of those things we started tracking uh, waste by weight. And as soon as we started, you know, get all locations plugging those numbers in, you know, we were really able to, you know, create a system then that would reduce, you know, waste and, you know, heavy production at the end of the night. And we were able to really put in some metrics that, you know, helped, you know, the line level guys, you know, be able to not, to understand how you know their night flow might go better. Awesome stuff. Uh, so the next question: What's one book we must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? And I think yeah, I already know the answer to this one. Traction. <laughs> yep. Traction. If you haven't gone through the traction process yet, uh, get it, get it, get it, get it. It's uh, it's it's invaluable to your business, and it's it's a workbook, really. That's you the know, first I mean, time you go through step. By step. That's the the first time um, that book's been recommended on the show. Uh, so thank you for sharing. And you're gonna say something, which is crazy. Uh, honestly, <laughs> yeah. I think that's absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check it out. Um, what's okay? So this I might have to figure out a way to ask my questions better. But uh, what's one piece of technology you've adopted in your restaurant that's influenced your operations? And it sounds like that's this is a QSR. Um, <laughs> or was there another one you had lined up for this question? Uh. I'm trying to think of something else technology wise, you know, we're getting, we're getting ready to adopt a, a training, uh, like a, tr- uh, basically a way for us to digitize all of our, all of our like checklists, our training manuals, our videos. So right now we have like everything's, you know, in, in, in a lot of different spots. So some of the stuff's on Facebook, some of the stuff's in, you know, the Microsoft OneDrive, some of the stuff's on Google drive, some of the stuff's, you know, you know, housed locally on some iPads. So we're trying to really just get all that stuff concentrated together on one, you know, and the, the uh, program we're going to be using is called player link. Um, and we actually haven't even pulled the trigger yet, but we're just Ooh. we're pretty damn close to it. So. I haven't heard of player link, so I'm not to look into that. Um, but before you pull the trigger, the system uh, called it's the operations platform for any business called jolt. Uh, jolt. Cool. Yeah. Check it out because I have heard good things about that. Um, all right. Cool. Excellent. The next question, and I think we're close to the end here. Yeah, this is the last one. Uh, if you got the news that you'd be leaving this world tomorrow and all the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind to make humanity and the industry better, what would it be? Ooh, this is always such a deep question, and I've had to dig <laughs> down so hard on this one. Um, 
you know, I, I, I really love the work that we put into uh, our mission and vision and values, you know, that, that stuff that really holds true. And it's, I, I would say if everything evaporated, you know, today, and if we could have, um, you know, if, 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 if one thing survived and that's, that's our mission statement, I, I would be so happy with that uh, surviving and, and, you know, and maybe the, the, the fact that, you know, it's, it's not about what you do. It's, or what you serve. It's just everything around, uh, what you do around it that, that, that really, you know, sets you apart in, in any, in any market. So, um, that was probably a terrible way to answer that question, but, um, <laughs> was that one thing or was, were those all three there? That, that was maybe like two, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, yeah, take I'll take it. <laughs> we'll, I'll take it. Cool. Uh, man, th- You've been awesome, and uh, this was seriously a great conversation. Uh, and I didn't mention this in the beginning, but uh, you've been supporting Restaurant Unstoppable not only with your downloads. Uh, and this is a really cool moment for me. I'm, I'm starting to reach the point where uh, I'm reaching out to people, asking people to be guests on the show who found me first, which is really cool. Um, and it's like a pivotal point in, the, in, in restaurant unstoppable and, uh, with your donations and you're going to be supporting me. I'm coming to Columbus, Ohio in a couple weeks. And I just want to take this moment to publicly thank you for your support, for spreading the word, for, uh, letting me come to your city and, and hosting me and just your outstanding support for what I'm doing, man. Thank you so much, Mikey. It's, it's, it's so mutual, Eric, you, uh, you have provided, I think, you know, anybody listening right now and myself included with, uh, you know, so much value and, you know, there's nothing like hearing smart people talk and, uh, you know, well, I've, I've gotten I get so smart. much out of the, the guests that you've had. <laughs> good thing I get, <laughs> so. get smart guests on the show cause I'd be lost without them. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, before, totally. we, <laughs> before we let you go, we got to call somebody out. So who's one independent restaurant operator. Maybe you can list some folks for me that we can get the ball rolling on my trip to Columbus in a couple of weeks. Who should I get on the show out there? Totally, man. I got four for you actually, because there is some really awesome stuff happening in uh, Columbus, Ohio stuff. That's you know not just local, but regional and even national. Uh, I know you've had Cameron Mitchell uh, on the show before, and he was, you know, an awesome interview. Uh, one of my favorites to listen to every time he's on uh, a podcast. Um, one company that started in Columbus and I, I just got to have a conversation with uh, Chris duty uh, pretty recently. And Chris and his brother started, uh, Brio Bravo group. So if you've ever been to a Brio restaurant or a Bravo and he most recently started Piata, uh, street food. And I think they're up to, you know, a, 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 I don't even know how many locations I'm not even going to try to guess. Uh, so Chris duty's one. Um, you got Jenny, uh, Britton Bauer. She started Jenny's ice creams, uh, here in Columbus, perhaps one of the most popular ice cream companies, they're coast to coast at this point. They have, I think somewhere around 25 locations, maybe more at this point. Um, she is magic to talk to. She's so inspirational. Um, you got a guy here named, uh, Joe DeLoss and he's doing great stuff with his hiring model. He's hiring a lot of, uh, uh, like second chance, uh, second chance, uh, employees that have had, you know, backgrounds, whether it's been incarceration or something, um, so his hiring model is, is really admirable. He's been on the today show and a couple other things. He's, uh, he's doing awesome. And I think last is, uh, my buddy, Zach Weprin. Uh, he started a company called fusion and it's fast, uh, casual, easy sushi. And they're up to 10 locations at this point. Uh, and they're just doing awesome stuff in the world of sushi. So, um, there's four for you, man. 
Chris, Jenny, Joe, and Zach. Look out, guys. You're on the hit list. I'm coming after you. I would love to get you on the show and hopefully in person in a few weeks. So you'll be hearing from me real soon. Uh, man, Mikey, thanks again so much uh, for taking the time to join us and to share your knowledge, to share your story. You're an inspiration. How can we connect if we want to learn more or follow up with some questions? Yep. So you can get a hold of me uh, if you get on the late night slice.com. Um, you know, you can find all my contact information there. Mikey, M I K E Y at late night slice.com. And that's N I G H T um, is, is definitely the best man. And, and don't hesitate. Mikey, there is no questioning my man. You are unstoppable. Cool. Thanks there. <laughs> it's uh, the industry is better because of what you do, man. And I appreciate it. Thanks uh, again. I, I love every second of it. And it's truly an honor and a, uh, my pleasure to serve. So thanks for recognizing it, but really I get a blast out of this. <laughs> Cheers. Wow. What another awesome episode here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Mikey Saboro. Uh, man, just crushing it, dude. Uh, so many great pieces of advice today. Uh, I love the path Mikey took to get to where he is. He started small. He started where he can. He started where he could get cash flow. And then he started acquiring assets, uh, refrigerators, stoves. Uh, and slowly scaled into his business. And then he started creating those systems, those processes, those procedures. I mean, this is like the textbook approach. Uh, what he was doing, uh, to re- he recreated himself in those systems, processes, procedures to uh, empower his team, to give his team something to shoot for, that, that picture of perfection. And then he started recreating himself with his values, his, his vision, and the mission that his life, like, this is what it's all about, guys. Like, pay attention to what happened in this in this interview because that's a picture of perfection right there uh great stuff so i can't believe i'm about to hit the road in just a day uh i'm in new hampshire today as i'm recording this when you're listening to this i'll be in pittsburgh pennsylvania uh i'm so excited uh kind of nervous but mostly excited uh and i'll tell you why I'm waking up every morning with a mission to, to serve something I believe in. And uh, when you have the right why, you can deal with, with any how. And that's kind of the best way I know how to explain why I'm willing to live out of my car and just travel the country uh, to get these interviews because uh, I love it. It's so much fun. Uh, I'm learning so much and I'm helping so many other people in the process. And it's so freaking, uh, I don't know, uplifting. So I'm pumped. If you're in any of those cities, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, or get in touch with me on Instagram or Twitter at Eric Cacciatore or Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. I want to meet you. I want to find out how I can make the show better for you. So I'm open to your suggestions. And uh, plus, I just like, like chilling, kicking it, drinking a beer with people. So let's do it. Keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming that help support the show. The best way to support the show, though, is by sharing this podcast. And really, when you're sharing this podcast, you're sharing the mission. And the mission is to create positive change in our industry by sharing the knowledge of those proven successful, the stories, the mentorship. Uh, if we want to make change in this industry, we got to educate each other, guys. we gotta we got to give each other knowledge so we can do the right thing. Uh, so share this podcast. Uh, if you want to see change, we all say, oh, somebody needs to do something about this, but we need to do something about this. And this is how we do it by sharing knowledge. So get the word out there. Help me support the podcast. Um, and uh, thank you in advance. All right, guys, uh, got to get out of here. I got an oil change, uh, but <laughs> uh, I love you all. And I wouldn't be able to do it without you guys until next time. Peace 